You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. Thanks for joining us. I'm Justin, joined by my faithful co-host, James Ross, lead pastor here at Church Church on Bayshore. And thank you for joining us for week five of Roadblocks and Objections to Living Scent. So, man, how you doing? I am doing great. Spring is is coming. Spring is here. It's that time of year in Florida where it's like 40 in the morning and 90 in the afternoon. It is great. You can wear shorts and a hoodie. And (laughs) I love that weather. Yeah, the yeah. Best. Not us because of dress code at our church. But, <laughs> That's you know, right. We can't yeah. dress that way yeah. in office hours. Even though I kind of am right now. But <laughs> yeah, you good. are wearing, for those of you listening, not watching, yes. James is wearing a Cubs hoodie because it's like baseball time. Yeah, it's, it's spring training. Baseball is coming up soon. And I mean, you are unfortunately a Cubs fan. Hey, you know, 2016 was a good year. Yes, it was, I it grew up a as a Braves year. fan. And I remember when I growing up, the Braves were so bad. They were they they couldn't give away tickets to come to the games, so we went because <laughs> they were cheap. And I remember the Cubs were also really bad at the time, yeah. and we went to a lot of Braves Cubs game because there would be like five thousand people in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Yeah, and you're going to be amazed that I know this, but Andre Dawson, wow, one of the best Cubs players ever. I, I that's kind of tucked away in memory because I used to know some things about baseball. Yeah, you know what's interesting <laughs> is we would go up from Jacksonville to Cubs Braves. Really? So we might have been at the same game. Say, wow. It's like serendipitous, it isn't is. it? It who, is. Who would have thunk? We didn't even know each other. <laughs> but we were we there cheering for, cheering, cheering, cheering for different teams. That's true. But That's now true. we're on the same team, baby. That's right. We're on God's team. <laughs> That's, That's right. not cheesy at all. I was no. just trying to help you segue into segue our topic Segue into today. this very light topic that we have for today. So in this series, <laughs> Roadblocks and Objections to Living Scent, we're talking about uh, questions that people have or objections people have as we are sharing our faith, as we're having conversations about faith, about following Jesus, uh, some of the common questions that people will have. Uh, we're addressing some of those. We've talked about the Bible, how we can believe the Bible. So if you can uh, go back, you can listen to some of those talks. And today we're talking uh, about a pretty big objection that people have because mm-hmm. it's hard for us to reconcile. And that is this question. And you as a believer may have even thought this question as well. How can God, a good God, allow people to go to hell? Mm. Or sometimes this phrase is, how could God send people to hell? Mm -hmm. So as we said, light topic, (laughs) (laughs) you know, no jokes, but you know, I think we do need to say like, we as Christians first shouldn't joke about this. Right. You know, we hear this in our culture all the time. We tell people go there, you know, go to, you know, I'm not going to say it because that would be Go to hell. That's what you're scared to say that. Well, it's like, if I'm saying like that, that's like- Or I'll see you in hell. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, like, that's just- Really? That's terrible. We should not joke about that. Yeah, that is not funny. And I'm not like prudish or legalistic, but that's just like, that crosses a line of making a joke about something that really is- incredibly serious. So before we dive in, my we, kids are like the H word. I'm like, hell. They're like, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we have had many discussions about what is, what is like the that. appropriate time to say that because they have said Pastor James cussed in church. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Remember Hosea when I had to say whore like that, a bunch? Yes. And it's like, okay, you have to gear yourself up for that because you know somebody out there is like trying to make you laugh and crack up when you yeah, have to say that I over know. and over. Uh-huh. Uh, that was me. I was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but as we talk about hell, let's first talk about specifically what we mean when we talk about hell because there are are different definitions, different pictures, and really... Uh, H-E double hockey sticks. That's right. That's Sorry. how I'm going to say it. The- Sorry, it was burning. I was trying to keep it in and it just came out. No, I'm trying to be like so... I know you are. You are. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're like, don't joke about this. And then your pastor just keeps making jokes about it. Making jokes. Way to go. Okay. But it's real. What we're talking about when we talk about hell is this. Um, There are differing opinions about what that is, what that experience is. But what we are talking about here is a full and final separation from God. Yeah, right. Um, And so what we also want to say is that uh, this is hard. Yeah. To accept, and it should be because it's serious. So why why do you think this is so hard for people to accept? Well, I first you brought up a great point, and I don't know if this needs to be said, but you know, when somebody brings up this objection to you about what hell is, like that's not the time to get in the nuances of what hell is. Like right. you know, like the idea is what they have a right. problem with that that God would send people to either whether it's you know being annihilated or whether it's being tormented for all of eternity just that idea that people when they die what they're going to and going to experience isn't good is really uh the root of the objection and i think that um this is something if someone presents to you uh, that is necessary to engage because it is an objection to them understanding the gospel you mm-hmm. know it really is uh, an objection to them understanding the gospel because they can believe in a, a concept of God and reject this idea. So they don't actually believe in the God of the Bible. And so they're not right with God of the Bible. And so they would ultimately spend eternity in hell. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, what you're saying is good. And I think, you know, people have such a hard time believing in hell, but one, I think it's really hard to picture eternity, right? You know, I think even heaven, heaven yeah. is hard to imagine, and and then hell is hard to to imagine as well. And and if we talk about you know God being love, God being uh, good, mm-hmm. it's hard in our mind sometimes to reconcile how uh, God can be good, and then also say, well, you reject me, so right, you're gonna burn. Yeah, but I think that's a surface level objection. I think that, so next week we're talking about how people, one of the objections is that how could this God allow suffering and evil? So in that, you recognize that there is evil in the world. So if you recognize that there is evil in the world, I think almost everyone I've ever talked to, you know, believes that something should be done about that evil, that that evil should be stopped. And so I think you understand maybe not hell, but you understand punishment. You understand discipline um, for hell. So I I think you start there with, does something need to be done about evil? Right. I think the... 
if we believe in justice, right? You know, we we like to believe in justice that there should be punishment for wrongdoing. But where yeah. does that even come from? There has to be some kind of starting point, some kind of moral base. But we also want justice, but, but yet we also want to do whatever we want to do. <laughs> right, right. So right. it's like we want justice for everyone else, but freedom for ourselves. But that's not congruent. That right. doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, just even in a country, in a society, a good society, there's there's that balance, that tension of justice and freedom. I think we've seen that in the whole coronavirus, you know, um, handling where we have freedom, but also there needs to be justice for what's right for for others and, and, and good. And so that's a tension to be managed. And so now we're dealing with it in the ultimate terms of that tension between justice and, and freedom, because we certainly don't all believe that there should be no limits to our freedom. Right. Yeah, we we think that, and then we actually think about the implications of that. Really, like, that's actually a really bad idea. I mean, this is a this is getting very heavy very quickly. But I believe people have the freedom, but they don't have the freedom to do whatever they want to my children. Right. There's going to be consequences, yes. and I think that's we we love that idea. But can you imagine a world where? you know, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And I think if you go back in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, that's the theme. The right. theme of Judges yeah, is good. this is what happens when everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And if you read the book of Judges, it's appalling. You know, those are the parts of, of scripture that mm -hmm. we like to gloss over and like, oh, it's just easier not to deal with it. But the people, uh, they did some incredibly terrible things all in the name of doing what was ever mm -hmm. right in their own eyes. Uh, and I think that in essence shows that we, there have, there has to be limits. There has so, to be limits. To so since you're on that, I'm going to keep you going. So why does the Bible say that people go to hell? Well, I think it is ultimately not, I think the Bible teaches that <laughs> I think uh, that was, that's a terrible, I, I said that a lot. Too. I think, well, no, the Bible teaches people go to hell uh, because of their rejection of God. And mm -hmm. I think before we even get into that, we first have to remember that I do not think that it, there is delight in the Lord right. The Lord does not have delight in sending people to hell. It is, the scripture says he desires that none should perish. Ezekiel right. 18, 23 says the Lord does not delight in the death of the wicked. So God is not, yes, I want to send people there. Right. So I think that's the first thing we've got to remember uh, as we talk about why people go to hell, that it is not, not God's desire to for people to be separated from him. So we brought up a couple of weeks ago how people look at the God of the Bible and they typically either look at him as through the lens of he's good and he's loving and he's holy. And so everything he says, I'm going to read through that lens, or they project a more uh, human understanding of God onto God and the God of the Bible. So when you say to someone, well, you go to hell for rejecting God, they're like, well, they're thinking of their dad or they're thinking of their boss mm -hmm. or they're thinking of somebody and yeah. they're like, well, that's kind of jerky that he would just send somebody to hell just because I don't like him. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, Okay, but if, if 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 that's if if just stay with me. I'm not saying you agree with me yet, but if God is good and God is loving and God is holy and God knows what is best for you and everyone and you reject him, it's not just you reject somebody who, you know, wanted to be president. Right? You know, you reject what is ultimately good. You reject what is ultimately love and you know, I, I think that you, to in a sense, are saying, I'm God. 
Right. I don't know that you would consciously say that. Granted, some have, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, but you really are. It's easy to look to like ancient kings where who they said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to run my country, my nation, my tribe the way I want to, because I'm a God, you know, versus that God of the Bible. But I think we do that in our own little dominion, you know, right. In in some way. I'm the boss of me. I'm the boss of this. And I think, too, remembering that with love, like there are. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's it's apathy. And there if if I love my children, but if someone, like you said earlier, comes after them, there's consequences. There's consequences right. for the rejection of right. love. And I think that as we talk about how we have to remember that it's it is ultimately it's a rejection of yeah. God's design and God's authority. And that there is justice right. in God and justice. And we talk about the love and mercy of God. You know, we, we, we tend to frame mercy as the other side of justice, but they are, they're not, they are not two sides of a coin. They are the coin. They're, mm-hmm. They exist together. And so the, the mercy of God is that, you know, we don't get what we deserve, but there has to be a price that is paid for our sin. Right. And and sorry, go ahead, I, no, go ahead. That and that what you're saying is so good because because you're so awesome, Justin. But no, it's so it's so <laughs> Sometimes good. Sometimes I'm like, is what I'm saying making What you're sense? saying is so good because if you look out all of history and all of societies, and and we're dealing with this issue where people can't believe in a concept of hell, we're in the hot, we're in the minority. Like mm, all, all religions and all societies have have believed that there is some sense of justice and there is some sense of punishment and there is some sense of um, promise for those who are right with God to use, you know, a a more simplistic phrase than I want to go into. And so this modern Western idea that, well, we don't, we don't deserve wrath. We don't deserve uh, punishment. It, It is again, a very small group of people. And it, it it really stems from this representative government, I think, that we have where we, we think of everybody as having equal authority and we want our opinions represented by our gods, you know, not just our polit- politi- politicians, by our gods. And here's the problem with that. You know, there's a king. There's a God. I would even elevate above. There's a God. <laughs> yeah. And if we don't do what he wants, so therefore we reject him, ultimately reject him, then we're not trusting him for how we treat people, how we raise our children, um, how we, how, what we do with our resources. Like we're essentially making choices that have great effects, not just on our life, but on other people's lives. And that's wrong. I mean, when we talk about biblical issues of sexuality and biblical issues of, you know, justice and and stewardship and all those things, like ultimately, like there are consequences, effects for those actions. And God says, if you're not doing it the way I say it, then you're unholy. And it's not innocent. It's not like you're just religious or not religious. Like there are negative effects of not trusting in God. Right. I think when we talk about what you're talking about, and as we talk about hell, it's not that people have really a hang up about hell itself existing, but it's why would God send what we would say good people right, there? Because right, if you right. say Adolf Hitler, of course, people are like, yes, he should burn a pedophile. They should burn. They, they should suffer because of yeah, the evil. Yeah. And so we don't really have a problem with justice. <laughs> 
as a principle. I'm just laughing because like that's the bar. People are like, well, yes. Hitler deserves to hell, but I'm no Hitler. It's yeah, like, wow, like, well, <laughs> you're a really good most person. Most people aren't, praise yeah. God, you know? You didn't murder millions of people. <laughs> but it's the fact that we do not like to deal with the fact that God's wrath is against sin. Right. So much to the fact that we, at many churches, don't talk about it. You know, we sing a, a hymn, a song, in Christ alone. Uh, and a lot of people think it was it's really old. It's actually written this century. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of my favorite songs that we sing. And there is a verse in there that says, they're on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Mm. Uh, and it's written by uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. And there actually was a denomination uh, that wanted to put that hymn in their new hymnal. And they wanted to omit that verse because it talked about the wrath yeah. of God. Uh, and they actually approached the Gettys and said, we would love and you know, we would love to put this in our hymnal. We want to leave out this verse. And they said no. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not the full picture of the gospel. Wow. So they turned down, yeah. you know, a significant amount of money for that, which that shows you like their their stance for the truth. But it's it's really indicative of how we like to shy away from that. And I think what we when we say that, we we have an I or a, a problem with <clears throat> God sending good people. Hell, we first have to say, well, who is good? And the fact yeah. is that uh, if God put his wrath mm -hmm. against a completely innocent man or woman, mm -hmm. that really would be injustice. Mm -hmm. That's injustice to say a, a, a man or woman has to pay a price for something they did not commit. Right. That is injustice. Right. But it's not what we're talking about. Hey, uh, go ahead. So, so, and you, uh, and you're getting to the big crescendo of this. So, I want to say this first because I don't want what I, a musical term you. Yeah. Used. Well, thank you. You know, I'm sitting next <laughs> to you. I don't. I don't want to take away from that. So, I want to yeah. say this before. So then, I think it's like, okay, well then, yes, I agree. There should be punishment, right? But does the punishment fit the crime? Like, if mm. someone's a sinner, yeah, that's a good. You point. know, like on earth, like why do they deserve to be either annihilated or in, in fire forever, you know, fire forever? Like why that severe? And I think we have to understand what sin is mm. and, and it's disobeying yeah. God and we are sinners. Like that means that's who we are. So if I eat unhealthy on a vacation for a week, like, and then I correct it like, okay. But if I start to make unhealthy choices, over a year, two years, three years, like it makes me fatter. Like it makes me unhealthier. Like it, it, it does. And so we might look it, it, as a Christian, we view that we are eternal beings, you know, and I think most people view, believe we're eternal beings. So if we're making these choices to reject God and elevate ourselves over others, even if we don't fully see that in 70 years, it might only result in a, an unhealthy relationship. It might only result in, you know, not right. using our privilege to help others, but we're eternal beings. So those choices we're making, if we lived for eternity, mm -hmm. eventually we would become very wicked people in everyone's eyes. Right. So God is not deal. Hell is not about just, just the 70 years or 40 years. It's about the identity we are developing. And, and, you know, I've shared this before in our service, the rich man and Lazarus story. And I love that Jesus gives us that mm. picture of this rich man who's in hell, who is still the same man. Yeah. He's still the same. He didn't, hell didn't change him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we often picture like God <laughs> as, and you, you were getting to the heart of God, like God's in heaven 
somebody lives this life on earth. They're like, oh no, I was wrong. There is a God. I shouldn't have done these things with my life. And God's like, sorry, buddy, you had yeah, your chance. Late, yeah. baby. I don't know why it sounds like a chain smoker, but like <laughs> you had your chance. He does sound more like Morgan Freeman. So. <laughs> burn, baby, burn, you know? And like, no, like that's who we are. Mm. So that's why the gospel is so important. And what you're getting into is like our identity has to change. Right. And our identity changes. Yeah, because our identity changes because of, of Jesus. Right. You know? How our wrath. Yeah, was, exactly. Yeah. So hell, hell really is what you're saying is hell is this identity built on sin, not on God. It's this rejection of God. And so when we come back to justice and injustice, so if God directed his wrath at an innocent man or woman, it would be injust of God. Right. However, none of us are righteous. Mm -hmm. Like no one is righteous. All have sinned. But an injustice did occur Amen. because it, Jesus, Jesus wasn't a passive victim mm -hmm. of God's wrath. You know, Jesus is God. He, he hung on the cross as God. He is the executioner and the condemned and he suffered so we wouldn't have to. That is injustice. Mm -hmm. So the, mm -hmm. if we want to say there's injustice, that God is unjust, well, we'd have to say, well, the cross is actually the great injustice that's of right. God. Yep. You know, and I think that's where we go as Christians to say, you know, that's how serious hell right. is, mm. is mm. that God would pour out his wrath mm -hmm. on his innocent son, mm -hmm. on himself and pay the price so that we wouldn't have to. God is simultaneously loving and simultaneously just no more where clear than on the cross. Right. Man, it's all about the cross. That's I think right. what we could say in that is that in one sense, you know, God doesn't necessarily send people to hell but we send ourselves there. Right. The yeah. hell is the culmination of telling God, get out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, as you shared, it's this ongoing, like it's, it's basically the fulfillment of who we were, who we are. But mm -hmm. Jesus changes our identity. You know, when you go back to that story about uh, the rich man and Lazarus, you know, and how la hell didn't change Lazarus. You know, the story is that, you know, he mistreated his servant you know, the rich man, uh, and then he mistreated Lazarus. He's in hell and his response in hell isn't, you know, oh, save me is tell Lazarus, my servant, to go get water and cool me down. Mm -hmm. So it's like hell didn't change him. His identity was said, but praise God that through Christ, we can have a new identity because mm -hmm. of the injustice of God, of his wrath poured mm -hmm. out on his son, Jesus. And so as we talk about hell, as these conversations, is it, as, is it an easy concept to understand? No, mm -hmm. other than it is to say there is justice. Mm-hmm. God's wrath is poured out against sin, mm -hmm. but there is a way of escape. And his mm -hmm. name is Jesus, our mm -hmm. rescuer. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then really the root of this is uh, that we make, in, in, in denying hell or saying that we, we we are trying, the root of the problem is that we are trying to form God in our own image. Right. So yeah. that we can understand him, that mm -hmm. we can box him in mm -hmm. and say, he's, God is accountable to us, that we are the authority in matters yeah. and not him. You know, C.S. Lewis says that all, all men know two things. One, that may, we ought to behave in a certain way. And number two is that we don't. And so all, all religion is essentially based around that. Like, okay, we're not who we should be. How are we justified? And Christianity, because of the cross, is the only religion. And it's because God wanted it to be very clear that shows we are justified. Like, there's no hope. You know, like there's no, I mean, there's hope. There's no like, oh, I hope this is true. I wish this thing. Like it's assured on the cross. Right. Like, and I think, you know, if we're engaging people who have tension about this, like I think if you press, there is, I mean, there's a small minority who truly believe like 
hey, there's no God. And, and, and we've talked about that some, you know, and, and once you get past that point, even with them, it's like, well, how am I right? And how do I avoid hell? And it's like, well, it's, a, it's more than avoiding hell. It's you were created for a relationship with God. And when you really press on that, like, I don't deserve that. Right. But God's heart is this. And here is how we know it. And you can have full assurance. You know, I know that I know that I know because of Jesus. That's right. So let's turn the corner. And how do we engage with people in this objection who had this objection? How do we have these conversations? And I think the first thing we have to do as a Christian is we need to tremble at this, right? You know, yeah. like this. Mm -hmm. th there should, when we think about this, when we study this, when we pray through this, there is not a shred of space for pride. Yeah, the gospel eliminates all pride, or sh should eliminate all pride in our hearts. Yeah. So we tremble at this, and we examine our own hearts. And I think Christians have been very flippant about right, hell to right. the fact that we have even said about uh, Christians collectively and, you know, that's, you know, individuals have said to, about a group of people, well, they deserve what they're about to get. Um, and that does not come from a place of humility mm -hmm. recognizing that we too deserve, yeah. deserve God's wrath. So I think that's the first step. How else would you say engaging people in this conversation about hell? Yeah, no, I think that's, I just want to reiterate how important that is to, to when you're articulating, you know, that someone's deserves hell, like we all deserve it. You know, I, I deserve it. I mean, perhaps there's a age of, you know, innocence and age of accountability. I mean, we're not really talking about that typically with somebody who's, you know, young. Um, but I, I, I deserve it. Uh, Paul said in Colossians, you know, you were once alienated and hostile mind towards God, Romans, that, you know, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And first Corinthians, he said that, you know, hey, all these people deserve hell and such mm -hmm. were some of you. So it, it's very clear that, you know, the message of Christianity isn't, hey, you guys be like us. The message of Christianity yeah. is you you guys, Jesus died for you, <laughs> just like he did for us. Like, And so I think the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Again, I do think everybody who objects to this has some sense of justice, and we have to be clear to share the gospel because you cannot, in your heart, ultimately deny the gospel if you're longing to be right with God, you right. know, if you're really longing. And so that's, that's got to be the appeal. And then I think, um, you know, just time— Walking with somebody through these things because uh, we're we're handling this in thirty seconds or thirty minutes. There's yeah. books upon books written about this, and you know. yeah, yeah, and I, I think that for a lot of us, like Jesus said, it's you know easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to go to heaven. And a lot of people we're dealing with in our community and in our country, you know, have a lot. It's easy to fool yourself into thinking you're autonomous, that you're God, that you don't need help, that you're self-made, and so like you know this is a hard conversation for somebody like that. I mean, I, I find that to be my greatest challenge in, in our community is like even people who are, they're good with God, but it's really a generic God, even though they would say that it's the God of the Bible, they don't grasp the gospel. And, um, and they're moral. They, yeah. they seem like they've got things together, make wise choices for the most right. part, you know, seem Okay. Yeah. But I mean, if, if Christ is lifted up, he draws all men to himself. And so I think the more we can exalt him, that's why I'm so thankful for you and how you organize our worship services, like as a church, as community, the more we can exalt Christ, I think the more people see, I want that. I'm not that. Yeah. And yet he's here for me.
And I think remembering that as Christians, we we believe this is true. Yeah. And we have to repent of the times and the ways that we live practically like this isn't mm. true. Mm. And I think that's there's a disconnect in our lives. We, we, mm. we believe a lot of things, but we don't act like we believe them. And if we really believe that the people around us that we know, that we love, whether they're family, neighbors, coworkers, are eternal beings created mm. for eternity, and if they don't know Jesus, that they will uh, be in hell, that should change the way we live, the way we interact mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that every opportunity we have to speak to them, we're just like beating them with a Bible, mm -hmm. but it does mean we are intentional about uh, those relationships and, and showing Christ and sharing Christ, mm -hmm. uh, living in wisdom with the Holy Spirit leading uh, and living like it's true. And I yeah. think that's that's probably the, one of the biggest disconnects uh, in mm -hmm. um, the American church mm -hmm. and maybe and not, maybe universal, I don't know, I can speak for, mm -hmm. you know, this area, I think it's just a, a way that we live like, okay, well, in the end, they'll be okay. Yeah. And that's not loving. I mean, if we know that's not true, if we know that's not true, it's not loving. It's not loving to go to funerals where, you know, that person didn't believe in Jesus and the gospel and be like, we'll see them again one day. It's just deceptive, mm -hmm. you know, if we, if we believe this to be true. And so it, if you believe that everybody who just lives an okay American life is going to heaven, then either A, you're deceiving people from the truth or B you're deceived about the truth. And, um, that's not loving. I mean, I know that that's, that's a level of love if you want to use that word, but it's not what God says is love. And, um, that makes relationships tough sometimes. Um, I've had family members say, so you think I'm going to hell? Um, and I had to with, I mean, with tears in my eyes say, I do, I do, you know, but I, and I was too, like, yeah. um, and I think that's where we, we, make that connection say, and so was I like, right. that's, that's the humility of the gospel yeah. is saying, you know, I'm no different. Mm -hmm. It's just that I've submitted to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's heavy, <laughs> it's heavy and hard, yeah. but it should be. That's, that's the trembling at yeah. his word that mm -hmm. we do as believers. So, uh, as we wrap this up, if you have questions or need to wrestle with us further, feel free to, uh, send us a message, contact us. Uh, next week we will, uh, continue in this series with another a question that is very, I think, I, I, I don't know how I'd rank them with hell. And then what we're going to talk about next week is which is probably the most common objection. But next week we're going to be talking about the, the, the issue of suffering and evil. Yeah, it is uh, probably the most common one. So stay tuned. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's, it's, these are big issues. These are big questions people have. And it's important that we have a grasp of, of, of the truth and God's heart in it all. So thank you so much uh, for joining us this week for Boggy Talk. We hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.